Welcome to uh, episode 11 of the Football Frame of Mind podcast. We are giving you the best football content out there, the best football content we can give you. We want to make sure that you enjoy all of our videos. We have our preseason um, playlist from college football available. So check it out. It's really cool. But before we even get into today's episode, how you doing, bro? Are we ready to go? How about you? Good, good, good. Ready to talk some uh, AFC football today. So we're going to break down mm-hmm. the AFC conference, uh, starting with the AFC South today. So obviously, we start with the champions of uh, the division last year, uh, and that was mm-hmm. the Jaguars. Uh, surprisingly, after that uh, Urban Meyer debacle a uh, couple of seasons ago, um Doug Peterson really changed some things around between him and Trevor Lawrence and a host of defensive players that are kind of playing real good. They turned it around and, and turned into a playoff uh, appearance. So uh, what do you what do you think? Is, is this a flash in the pan, as we say on this show, or is this uh, something that can be sustainable? Because I like I like what uh, Doug Peterson did stabilizing that uh, that franchise. I'm going to kind of build on what you just said. Uh, I really like Doug Peterson as a coach. I think he's really good at developing quarterbacks and getting the most out of his talent. Uh, As you know, and I've talked about on here, that I haven't always been the highest on Trevor Lawrence, at least at college. But, man, he made me a believer last year, man. Trevor Lawrence really took major strides. And I consider it his rookie year because I really don't want to count that first one. Just like you said, a complete debacle. Uh, Man, they've got really good talent on that team. They've added Calvin Ridley. You still have Christian Kirk. You have Evan Ingram. You have Travis Etienne. That defense is getting better. The offensive line, they've signed a few guys as well. No, I don't think it's a flash in the pan at all. I think last year was a year for Doug Peterson to put a statement in the ground and say, hey, we're here. We're building the culture. We're here to play. We're not the Jaguars. We're Jack Del Rio. We're not the ones with Doug Marone, not Tom Coughlin, none of those guys. I think that for real, I don't know if they're going to build on and win more games this year, but I definitely would think that they're the favorite to go and take that conference. I mean, that division, though. Yeah, yeah. Judging off of uh, everything that's going on in this division, uh, I agree. I think they're going to take it because I think they have the best quarterback out of all the teams. And obviously, this is a quarterback league. So uh, if you got a good one, uh, you'll win more games than the latter. So I think that um, I think the Jaguars will definitely be back at the top of this division. But like I said, we're, we're not going to just shut out all the other teams. <laughs> we're going to okay. talk about them too. But uh, second in this uh, division uh, was the Titans. Um, obviously, uh, definitely a step back uh, last season. Uh, but um Gosh, I don't know their quarterback's name. Um, they've got Ryan Tannehill as the starter, but they've got a, another two guys. They've got Malik Willis and Will Levis. There we go. Malik Willis. That's the name I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he should be the starter uh, just because they need some excitement, man. I mean, yeah, he may not be the best passer, man, but shoot, neither is Tannehill. <laughs> so, you might as well just kind of let uh, Willis do his thing because uh, he's an athlete. And um, 
obviously, you know, they got uh, Big Derrick Henry there. Uh, it's a lot of a lot of talk about him being on the trade market, which mm-hmm. uh, to me is like eye opening because if you trade him, you're basically tanking for the rest of the You're game. going into complete rebuild mode. That's the last big piece you have on offense. You get rid of him and that offense is going to be stagnant because you have no receiver help at all besides trailing Burks. And I don't even barely consider him receiver help. So. Right, right. So you already got uh, rid of uh, Brown like last year, so or year before. So you already know, you know, you don't have any uh, trade capital to really get away. Uh, but uh, like I said, what do they do with him? That's my biggest question for for the Titans going into this year. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, it, it's it's going to be interesting because they they're going to feed him. But I don't think he's gonna want to sit around and rebuild, man. Like I said, I don't, I'm not sure about the uh, the contract situation, but I do know that like he's not gonna want to rebuild, man. Like, nah. And they had some great running backs that come through that uh, Titans uh, Oilers uh, franchise. So, mm-hmm. um, like every one of them never really ended well with the team. Yeah, it kind of seems like it when you think Luke left, Eddie George, he ended up leaving. Chris Johnson ended up, I forget exactly what happened, but I don't believe that ended well. And now you have another perennial Pro Bowl running back that you're probably going to have to dump off for little to nothing, unfortunately. Yeah, so like I said, we, we discussed on this show that the running back is a uh, is a quick position when it comes to shelf life. So um, like I said, you want to maximize your value when you can, but uh, like I said, I don't know, man. And uh, like I said, the defense for that team has been very good uh, with Jeffrey Simmons and those guys. Um, mm-hmm. Really, really big time players, man. Uh, Rashawn Evans, uh, I believe, is still there. Uh, but even even with that being said, they have some great players on defense. So for them to have any success, I think they should go with Willis at quarterback and try to ride Henry as, as much as you can, man. But um, that's all you really can hope for. Because if you put Tannehill out there, you know what you're going to get. And that is second in the division. And the division that is this kind of close in teams, uh, you can't have average play at quarterback going into some of these divisional games. So I think they have to do those couple things while staying good on defense to even touch the Jaguars. So, um, but like I said, we're discussing all the teams in this division, which is, which is like I said, a cluster. I think this, the, the NFC South and the AFC South, the two of the conferences or divisions that are going to be close because the teams are like, this close and the only thing that's separating them is a good quarterback so Mm -hmm. uh, like i said with with this team uh the Colts, they finished uh third in the division so um what do you think about the Colts, man i mean they're kind of in a weird predicament they got a head coach and sean steichen which i think he was a really good offensive coordinator for the eagles uh you got a rookie quarterback with a lot of raw potential and raw talent you still have Jonathan Taylor. You still have Michael Pittman. 
they didn't make a whole bunch of splashes in free agency. I think the Colts are still a good team, but I just think kind of like Tennessee, not in the same way, but I think there's still a lot of questions. Uh, how are they going to develop Richardson? Are they going to let him play right away? Are they going to let him sit for a few games and try to get some of that know-how? Uh, is the defense going to perform? If they get Richardson in the game, are they going to be able to compete with some of these other teams offensively? Even Tennessee, I mean, you never know. If they get Derrick Henry going, I mean, that's a guaranteed buck 50 if he gets going really good. You got guaranteed touchdowns there. And the Jaguars have weapons like we already stated. Uh, I think the Colts overall are not in a bad place, but mm-hmm. it's kind of up in the air to me. I mean, I think they have a lot of potential. It's just what are they going to do with that potential and develop it? Understandable, man. Good points. I'm not even gonna lie to you. That was good points, man. Uh, like I said, I have questions too. Um, like I said, obviously we both know they have um, uh, AR15 um, Richardson there. Uh, so he's a inter- he was one of the interesting prospects in the draft this year. Like, where was he gonna go? Because they mm-hmm. knew his size was undeniable at quarterback like that's what you look for in size and then he's got an interesting skill set that you've seen work obviously with uh michael vick and you've seen it work with uh lamar jackson of sorts and uh maybe a russell wilson will throw him in there who's a better passer than runner but having that dual threat capability it works in the nfl man so in the right circumstance right so um I love the fact that they took him. They knew that they needed a splash because they didn't have a quarterback. Not going into the mm-hmm. season with Sam Ellinger as your your starting quarterback. No knock on him, but it's not going to win you games. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but some of the questions I have for them moving forward is: uh, so do we ride Jonathan Taylor, or are we riding him? For the rest of the season you know what i'm saying like is he mm-hmm. is he the vocal point of our of our team like do we go as he go to take the pressure off of uh anthony richardson or do we just let him go because he's a creator that's what he does right but um how many games can we win like that right so I'm leaning towards more of them being able to use Jonathan Taylor as their big mm-hmm. piece of their offense. Defense, uh, I mean, defense is is okay, but I mean, they're just gonna have to and this and to win this division, defense really isn't gonna be the biggest thing because it's gonna be about the quarterback play. Because if your quarterback's not playing well, you're not even gonna win anyway. You know what I'm saying? So your defense mm. is just going to be there making plays because the quarterback is not very good. So, um, like I said, I just think I just think they might just let uh, they might let uh, Anthony Richardson do his thing, man, because they spent the last two years with kind of journeyman quarterbacks. We're talking Matt Ryan and uh, Philip Rivers. So and Carson Wentz too. Right. So, you know, these journeyman guys would, you know, like, but like I said, Phillip Rivers coming there was a great thing because mm-hmm. he, I don't know if they make the playoffs, but I know he got to resurrect his career a little bit because uh, of the divorce with uh, San Diego that was kind of mm-hmm. rough, uh at the time. Uh, then uh, Matt Ryan, I think he had a lot in the tank when he got there, but it was just a little, 
it's a little rough, man, because you get a new spot, man, and and you can't shake that Super Bowl loss. So even if you had a lot left in the tank, man, that emotionally, I think, wore on him more so than he let on. He, uh, it affected his play and how he made decisions. You could tell, like, he just, he just looks, how would I say, he looked really stiff in the pocket. Like, he yeah. wasn't making plays that he would normally be able to make. Yeah, so like I said, man, but like I said, those guys were good experiments, but Wentz just was was not. And we, we know about Wentz, uh, obviously, with our uh, <laughs> NFC North, NFC uh, East uh, conversation. But um, like I said, I just hope they, they got a good young quarterback and a nice run game, and I think, uh, I think it'd be good, man. I think it'd be good. Like I said, I don't see them – getting the division title in year one, but uh, having a new coach, having a new quarterback is fresh idea. So I see where it goes, man. They haven't really been a team that we've been looking out for for a while. So um, mm-hmm. like I said, man, be interested to see what they do. Like maybe a sleeper team because if they, because like I said, like I said with the Carolina Panthers, uh, analogy um when you're starting new you can easily sneak up on people mm-hmm. so and they're in a division that it'd be easier to kind of creep up on people anyway because nobody thinks a whole lot of the asc south as of right now so exactly exactly so like i said it's one of those divisions that you can have a a 12 win team and nobody even knew that they were that good <laughs> So, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, man. So as we move forward uh, in this division, man, um, we got the Texans, man. Obviously, uh, Lovey Smith was a rental last year, along with uh, the guy before him. Uh, they were rentals uh, to try and um, just kind of build some draft capital and um, see what you can do, man. Obviously, um, them trading for their left tackle. Um yeah, tonsil. Yep. Uh that um that didn't work out too well. <laughs> I'll say that. Um because you you gave up a lot of good pieces to give him up to get him, you know? So he's a good player, but just probably not worth all that draft capital you gave up. Exactly, exactly. So but like I said, I digress with that. Obviously, that was the Deshaun Watson era. He is no longer there. And um, like I said, their last two coaches were rentals to get to this point. Uh, so they brought in D'Amico Ryans, former player, uh, former Alabama player, too, by the way. They don't get that. <laughs> but one of the hottest commodities in the offseason, man, as far as uh, head coaching um, candidates. So I think. He's going to bring in some new ideas, and it's good to have somebody that's been there. Now, sometimes it doesn't work out having a guy that's been in there because a lot has changed since he's played there. But mm-hmm. he's coming in almost exactly how he came in when he played because, mm-hmm. if I'm thinking correctly, he played with Derek Carr. They were a new franchise. Not Derek Carr, D- D- David. David. I think he came in in the Matt Schaub era. He I came think in the they him when they traded. I'm pretty sure, like around that time, they traded for him from Atlanta. I think it was around the time he got drafted in like what 2006, 2007, something like that. 
Maybe I'm wrong. This is one of those. This is one of those things in the episode where we have to look this up, man. We gotta find oh, okay. out the I truth. Going right there, I understand. <laughs> we, got, we got to find the truth. Well, uh, not not I think too. Much, after uh, David Carr. No, um, because David Carr was there like oh four. So D'Amico came there in 06. That's what I'm saying. Like right around that shop getting into Houston before that took off. Yeah, hold on, hold on. Let me see. 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 Because yeah. I want to say one of those years following that he led the weekend yeah, passing so, over. So they kind of overlapped a little bit. Overlapped like by a year or so. Like either he mm -hmm. was coming in. And that was David Carr's last year or whatever. But either way you slice it, he came, he's coming into a situation that he's familiar with. Like he has a, a young quarterback to work with. Transitional year. Yeah, he has a young quarterback to work with. He's got a, a, a blank canvas. I, I think uh I believe they got CJ Stroud and they got Will Anderson. So and they got, got uh, Tank Dell from Houston too. Yep. So he's really good. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, you 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 have um, you coming into a situation where you're you're familiar with what's going on uh, because you got you got young quarterback, whether it's Matt Schaub or David Carr that you're working with on on defense. So you know, like, hey, we got to get some stops to get this guy comfortable, right? But you're in also a great situation because. Um, you got Will Anderson too, so you got two franchise cornerstones uh, in the draft. So building up between those two guys can really be a good start for a young coach. So, like I said, I don't expect them to have as much success, but I expect them to be way better than the win total last year. Mm-hmm. I agree. So. Yeah, so what you what you think about the Texas man before we get up out of man? Uh, it's probably not going to be a very popular pick, but I'm high on Houston. I'm not saying oh they're going to make a playoff berth, but man, like they did really well in the draft. They brought in Dalton Schultz from Dallas. They got Devin Singletary from the Bills, and they got some wide receiver depth with Robert Woods too. Right? Why I think Devin Singletary played with the uh, with the Bears. Mm -mm. You're thinking of uh, some. I know who you're thinking of. I can't think of his name. What's but uh, yeah, dude, yeah. I think Houston. Uh, I think Houston's gonna be really interesting. Uh, obviously, everybody was gonna pick Bryce to go to one, but I don't think people understand how pro ready C.J. Stroud really is with his arm talent and his ability to put the ball in places a lot of other people can't. I'm not gonna go out on a limb and say Houston's gonna win the division. I don't think that's gonna happen. But they're definitely going to – I could definitely see Houston getting any upward of like seven, maybe eight wins for sure. And I think as a first year in Houston for D'Amico Ryan, I think that would be a big W for sure. Oh, yeah, man. Them winning – them winning. I think they won like three games last year or something like that. Something crazy <laughs> small. But anything above five, I think is uh, – we're trending in the right direction. And so – like I said, we you know, broke down these teams, man. But I think the Jaguars are definitely going to be number one uh, when the when the when the playoffs start. So, but 
like I said, man, we are moving towards the best segment of the show. Uh, transitioning to the top five segment. So uh, you lead the way this time, bro. Cool. <clears throat> oh, and by the way, I got I got Tennessee finishing last in the AFC South. I think they're going to completely fall apart, by the way. Well, hey, that's that. Hey, look, 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 look. We'll we, we go back to the top. Yeah, <laughs> you Hold on. So if we're going to top five, we're yeah. doing top five. We're doing top five head coaches in the AFC South. And I obviously would think that this list wouldn't be very big. But I've got six guys. I got an honorable mention. I got another five guys that I think would fit the mold of uh, top head coaches in this division. So if I'm going to go with my honorable mention, I'm going to put Gary Kubiak in there, honorable mention. Uh I think he was a pretty damn good head coach in an era where Houston's defense may not have been the very best. They had D'Amico Ryans at the time. You're rolling with Matt Schaub. You're rolling with Arian Foster. You're rolling with Andre Johnson. Pretty prolific offense. I think he led the league in passing yards once or twice. Uh, didn't have a whole lot of playoff success, but as an offensive guru, I think Gary Kubiak's a really good coach and probably doesn't get enough credit where it's due. Okay. Okay. All right. And uh, number five, I've got Jack Del Rio with his time with Jacksonville. I think he was. I think he's one of the longest tenured coaches in the division. Uh, you got to think he's been responsible for drafting guys like Maurice Jones-Drew, David Garrard, Byron Leftwich. I think he was. I think he was the coach when they still had Fred Taylor and some of those other good guys at the receiving core. I think Jack Del Rio is another really underrated coach. That just for example, when he was with Oakland before they moved to Vegas. I think they had went on a 12 and 4 year with Derek Carr until he broke his fibula and they just up and just fired him out of nowhere. They didn't really give him a chance to prove that they could do it again. Uh very underrated coach. I really like his attitude, I like his style. I've got him at number five. Okay. Uh number four. I've got Mike Vrabel at four. Mm, I like that one. I See, like I like that. Mike Vrabel. Up until recently, I mean, well, they've been at least two AFC title games. They've had some really good success, for sure. Uh, obviously, he's still coaching there, and I think as time goes on, as long as things don't go too sour, he'll definitely climb on this list. I I'm rooting for him, being that he's from New England. I think he's a really he's got a good high football IQ. Uh, I think he's really good at developing his players, but I've got him at four right now. All right, I think he's been the uh, the best one of the best assistants to come from the Patriots in a while. Because mm -hmm. um, like I said, it's been a rough for some of uh, Belichick's assistants. <laughs> that's a that's a segment in itself. We could talk about that another day. <laughs> yeah, but but he's definitely one of my favorites. I, I like the way he uh, has his team. Uh, some I just sometimes just like when teams just run the ball, man. Run the ball and mm -hmm. good defense, man. It's not exciting. But you can crush the will of a team and just see him just quit on the field, you know. Like mm -hmm. I just kind of like the way he played. Like they, they, they made uh, my Baltimore Ravens like uh, quit that day, um, and that that was that was tough, man. I ain't gonna lie, that was tough to tough to watch, man. But um, but so uh, yeah, good team. With my number three, he's not a very light coach, and he gets a lot of flack. But you can't deny the statistics and the wins he has. I got Jeff Fisher at three. Mm, okay. You got to think he was one goal line play away from winning the Super Bowl with Kevin Dyson at the end zone. Just couldn't get that ball over the goal line. Uh, ah, he missed it. Really good game, by the way. 
One yard. Really good game. Nobody's ever watched that Super Bowl. It's a really good game. But uh, yeah. man, Jeff Fisher is a really underrated coach. Obviously, he definitely has a lot of weaknesses. Uh, didn't show a whole lot of success after that and continued to get jobs over and over and over. But I think as a body as a whole, if you're just looking at his career and his mentality, I don't think Jeff Fisher is a bad coach. I just think he doesn't make the greatest decisions in game or as an organizational standpoint. All right. So obviously we've got an honorable mention. We've got Jack Rio at five. We've got Mike Vrabel at four. We've got Jeff Fisher at three. Uh, if I'm going to go number two, probably a guy that I don't really remember he coached it. I got Tom Coughlin when he was with the Jaguars in the 90s. Man, to take a franchise pretty much off the ground when other most people are going to think, oh, mediocrity, or they're going to struggle. Man, he he really got the tires spinning on the concrete, man. He freaking made back-to-back-to-back to back to back AFC Championship games with Mark Brunel as your quarterback, really underrated left-handed quarterback. Jacksonville was really exciting to watch at that point. And, I mean, if you look at Tom Coughlin's career as a whole, obviously he goes on to New York. He wins two Super Bowls with Eli Manning, two Super Bowls that I don't really like to talk about for obvious reasons. But in in due time, obviously, we'll go through that. But uh, Tom Coughlin, that was the beginning. That was the beginning of him like establishing himself. Uh, like I said, he ended up going to New York. But his time in Jacksonville was very memorable. And I feel like a lot of people should give him credit for what he did for that franchise so early on. And they, I think they fired him too soon, honestly. Mm-hmm. They didn't give him enough. Like, they didn't win it. And I think, like, a season after that, and they're like, okay, we're just going to cut ties. Right. And I was, like, I was like, I think I think his second tenure with the Jacksonville Jaguars was too late. It was too late. Like, the game. Yeah, and he wasn't even the coach at that point either. So. Yeah, the game had changed to the point where. You know, you can't you can't win with Fred Taylor like you could with uh Leonard Fournette. You can't do that because the game didn't change so much. So uh but like I said, there's no no doubt in how good he really was. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And uh I'm pretty sure you're gonna have the same number one as me, but we still need to give credit where it's due, and that's Tony Dungeon. I mean, yeah, what he did with that Colts team, what he did with Peyton Manning, man, like you got to think that's some of the best games you could have watched anytime during the early to mid 2000s between him and Brady and him in Baltimore and him in Pittsburgh. Man, the Colts were consistently in question to be the number one team in the AFC every year besides the Patriots. I mean, Tony Dungy wins the Super Bowl with Tampa Bay, leaves, comes to Indianapolis, takes them a little while, but has a perennial powerhouse, finally gets over the hump and beats Chicago in the Super Bowl establishes himself as a more of a Hall of Fame head coach. Uh, very underrated. A lot of people don't talk about him. Uh, but definitely what he did with Peyton Manning and them boys, uh, he's more than deserving to be number one. I think it's by a landslide. I don't think anybody's close. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to be honest. He didn't win a Super Bowl with Tampa Bay. but Well, you know what I, you he, know what I mean. He you, was pretty responsible. Much. He was responsible. That's what I meant. That's what I meant to say. I mean, yeah, you got to think John Gruden pretty much took over his team. Yeah, man, that was that was his squad, man. But but like I said, man, going into that, that could be a, a part of our closing arguments. But uh, we, we'll get into that a little later. But, yeah, but Tony Dungy is definitely, definitely a great number one. Like, he won so many uh, championship uh, games. He won uh, so many, um, not championship games, but division titles. A whole bunch. Mm-hmm. Like they put a lock on that for at least eight years straight. 
to the point where wasn't nobody winning. I mean, I think the Titans had a little run where they went like 14 and two or something like one of those things. Mm-hmm. But that was like the only time they really, anybody else really won that uh, division. So, uh, but yeah, I agree. Tony Dungy. So, uh, all right. Great list, man. Great list. Great list. Uh, like I said, um, like I said, I think, I think my list will end up in the same place as yours with, uh, with Tony Dungy because he was just that good. But leading up to my number one, uh, we're going to have some differences of opinion. <laughs> so, all right. So, number five for me is Doug Peterson right now. Right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I could understand why. I just, I just can't, I just couldn't do it off of one year, but he's literally on the cusp of, you know. I'm, I'm talking like, I'll I, I put him five just simply because of the mess he had to clean up when he got there. Urban mm-hmm. Yeah, so having to come in and just kind of settle down everybody like, yo, look, I'm not him. I'm not going to do that. We're going to ride Trevor Lawrence, and he's going to take us to where we want to go. We got a host of young talent, uh, and we're just going to erase whatever happened the year before, and we're just going to go back to playing uh, good football. And uh, like I said, I, I love what he did. And shoot, he's a good coach anyway, a Super Bowl winning head coach. So let's just mm-hmm. add that to his resume. So I think that uh, all the time, he's definitely on, he, he's he's five to me. Like, because to fix that mess and then go to the playoffs, right go, go to the playoffs right after that. Like, and then knock off the charges in the playoffs with Justin Herbert. Exactly. So, like I said, that that shows that you are a good leader of men, and you get you got them on the right path, man. So, definitely out of all the coaches, definitely five. And I love me some Jack Del Rio, uh, but I can't put him over Doug Peterson, man. Especially coming in after that mess, because the mess that Del Rio came into was way less than what Doug Peterson had to deal with. So, Doug mm-hmm. Peterson, number five. Uh, number four, uh, Gary Kubiak. Gary Kubiak, number four for me, uh, because he was the one to fix the Houston Texans. In my, mm-hmm. opinion. uh, the Houston Texans obviously started in like uh '02 or whatever, and they had Dom Capers as their uh their coach, man. And he he definitely built. He definitely. I'm not gonna say that he didn't have success because he did build that team up, right? But uh Gary Kubiak put it all together like mm. like he put it everything together they start making the playoffs and becoming a a real team rather than an expansion mm. team I feel like with him they shedded that expansion team uh mindset and they actually wanted to win he put some good mm. players uh he obviously uh he built around uh Matt Schaub uh and he has some great players to go along with um Arian Foster, D'Amico Ryan, who's the coach right now, was very big on mm-hmm. defense. Mario Williams was still there, so they had some great players on defense. But I think Gary Kubiak stabilizing that offense definitely helped them become a playoff uh, franchise rather than just a expansion team. So definitely number four for me, uh, Gary Kubiak. Uh, number three is Tom Coughlin, man. Uh, I would love to have put him two, 
but he just didn't have time. But the impact that he had on the Jaguars to get them to not only one, but two AFC championship games within his time there, that definitely put him high on, on my list in terms of uh, coaches in this division because he he had a host of good players, man, that, that could really ball, man. He had two really good receivers in Keenan McCardell and, and, and uh, Jimmy Smith, and they would just run over everybody. And obviously Mark Grunell, uh, getting him, uh, I want to say, out of the expansion draft or something like that, but getting him – was big mm-hmm. for their success, and he just rolled him, and that was good, man. Like I said, um, tough end to his uh career there, but like I said, he turned that into what two Super Bowls and you know, legendary status. So, um, like I said, number three on my list, number two is Jeff Fisher for me, man, because uh, consistency out of all the guys we mentioned. Nobody has been more consistent in terms of win totals, staying in the picture, not getting top five picks or whatever, but just consistency. And he was the most consistent guy that I think they've had in their in their franchise, man, because uh, they go back to their Oiler days. This is two franchises we're talking about, right? So. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, man, he's he's he was consistent then. And uh, one under underappreciated stat is I think why he was uh in St. Louis so long after we uh lost a lot of games, uh, because he has an interesting skill set to be able to coach through an expansion year. Because mm-hmm. I understand he was the head coach before they moved to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And he was the head coach before they moved to L.A. So that's an interesting mm-hmm. skill set to just try to keep the product on the field good enough to keep the fan bases interested as he moved to another city. So I think, uh, like I said, I think he did good in that retrospect. But consistency, man, was his biggest thing. Obviously, his biggest claim to fame is going to the Super Bowl as a wild card team. But I don't think that gets enough shine because mm-hmm. uh, to take a take to go through the teams that he did to get to that Super Bowl was out of this world. Like you beat a, a Ravens team that had arguably one of the best defenses ever. Now, obviously, they were inept on on offense, but the fact that you were able to coach your team through that, I think, is very good. And like I said, he's number two on my list. And number one is Tony Dungy. I mean, like I said, he is a player's coach if I ever seen one. Uh, all his players love love him. Uh, they play tough. They won a lot of games. Uh, and that Tampa 2 defense was absolutely – it was actually underrated, man. Underrated as far as – because, you know, to, uh, Peyton Manning gets all the love. But defensively, they were actually doing pretty good out there at times, especially with those uh, mm-hmm. defensive ends, man, uh, Mathis and Franey. Like, yeah, they was mm-hmm. out there playing. But as far as him and his coaching career, I think uh, you talk about consistency, he's been con- consistent. But it, it helps to have Peyton Manning at quarterback. Um, but like I said, other than that, man, to keep everything good, Consistency, winner, 
but that's the best best coach in that division. Period. So mm-hmm. there's no argument there. I think it's pretty solid of an argument. I don't think anybody else compares, but no, nah, no. Nah. But if I had to say, as we transition into uh, the closing argument segment, if I had to say, um. I think Doug Peterson can do that. I think he yeah. can do I, I think, think if anybody's can, got a shot. Yeah, I think he can do consistently like win. You know what I'm saying? I think he can consistently win with them because he has a proven quarterback, man. And and mm-hmm. an owner that is looking for some stability, man. I think ever since uh Khan took over. Um, it's been kind of uh, turbulent in terms of the coaches. So um, I do think uh, he's looking for some stability. And obviously after going through all that Urban Meyer to the point where he had to say something, because when owners have to talk to the media, it's not a good thing usually. No, it's never supposed to get to that point. Yeah, but when he has to come and say, hey, the state of my team is not in a good place, and I have to I have to really look at some situations like he had to really say those things like underneath that that microscope like that. Like, yo, look, my team is a lot of stuff being said and I'm I'm looking at my team, you know, from internally. Like, don't don't worry about that. You know, we going to figure this out. You know, mm-hmm. because, uh, like I said, I think he's, he has found his uh, stability, his stabilizer. Uh, and Doug Peterson, man, I know one thing, quarterback play is not going to be an issue. Uh, they're going to get him together. And I think, like I said, I don't I don't think Trevor Lawrence is going to be a, a Peyton Manning type guy. But having him as the best quarterback in his division right now is going to win you a lot of games for the next four or five years. Because I don't think the Titans are going to figure that out anytime soon. And I don't think the – uh, Anthony Richardson is going to figure it out that fast, uh, and I don't think C.J. Stroud is going to figure it out that fast. So you're going to have at least three or four years to where you can make a run at something. Like I said, all you got to do is get to the um, get to the playoffs, man. So, uh, but like I said, man, where uh, where do you see the rest of the division falling then? If we're both consensus that you see Jacksonville and I see Jacksonville one, where do we see two, three, and four from your perspective? And I'll give you mine. Okay. Um, two, three, and four. Interesting. Because you said before we got into our top five segment that uh, you thought Tennessee was going to be at the bottom. And, you know, I kind of agree with you. Uh, I kind of agree with you uh, because um, – because they don't have they don't have any anything that makes me want to say, all right, you know, you'll be there, you know, at the end of the season. Um, because obviously they have Derrick Henry, which is something, and they have a defense, which is another something. But this game is about quarterbacks, man. And I just don't believe in Tannehill if he's the guy. If they start Willis, I am more I think they could finish second in the division if they start Willis because they'll have more of a running game. Like, you ain't really got a pass because you got Derrick Henry. 
Like if you gotta go, if you gotta go aggressive and go forward on fourth and one all the time, like play field position or something like that. Like I think you can win with Willis more so than Tannehill because he's shown that he's just not that guy. But if I had to go right now, since we don't know who's starting and we don't know anything, I think they finished last. Uh, I think the Texans, I think the Texans might surprise a few people. And I think they might finish actually second. And I think the Colts finished third. So I got the Jaguars. I got the uh, Texans. I got the Colts and the Titans. That's how I think they go. So, uh, yeah, I definitely see struggling. I think they're going to start out the year with Daniel. I just think me, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't just because he's been there. I think right. the struggle a couple weeks in, if you drop a couple of games, yeah, I could see them wanting to either roll with Wills for a game or they might even try with Levis. We don't know. I'm not sure how they're looking. We're going to get a better look at them in preseason. Oh, right. But, uh, yeah, I think Tennessee is just – I don't want to see Mike Vrabel struggle. But, uh, yeah, they're not giving me any reason to put them anything higher than four. So I've got Tennessee at four. Man, I really want to put Houston at two. I, I'm really high on D'Amico Ryans, and I think that offense is a lot of potential. Me too. I'm still going to say Houston at three because Indy still has Jonathan Taylor. That's like the only thing that's keeping me from putting them there. But if JT gets hurt or he fights with injuries and he's not playing up to the same caliber as his two years ago, then, yeah, I definitely could see Houston sliding into number two under everybody's nose. But as of right now, not pending injuries or anything, I've got Jacksonville one, Indy two, Houston at three, and Tennessee at four. But I would not be surprised if Houston wins eight games and they slide into number two. All right, most definitely, man. Hey, that's a good point, man. Like I said, I think we kind of mirrored each other on that one a little bit. Give or take a couple of things that could go wrong. But I do like what you said about Houston. They have a really interesting um path to the to winning the division. Like they could literally they have a lot of tools to win, man. Like I said, you can sneak up on somebody and you're telling you do. of a new coach and can shock everybody. Like I said, I've seen that. He's got weapons, man. I'm telling you, CJ Stroud's the most pro ready quarterback. Out of this class. And Bryce Young's a national championship winning quarterback. He's a Heisman winner. But if I'm going off of somebody that's the most pro-ready, C.J. Stroud's the guy. And if they can get him with confidence and that offensive line protects him, he's got weapons. They signed guys in free agency. And they drafted another good guy, like I said, to take one of the better receivers in college football last year. Houston could really surprise some people. I like D'Amico Ryans. I'm starting to like C.J. Stroud. Uh, no bias, but, uh, yeah, I, I could definitely see that offense getting hot for sure and surprising a lot of people, including Jacksonville at some point. They're going to play each other two times a year anyway. Right, so they're going to get well acquainted. Now, um, do you see Tennessee trading Derrick Henry? Uh, Yeah, I do. Uh, I, I think he's in a contract year. I think this is like the last year of his deal, and he's trying to play to get a better extension, if I'm not mistaken, or a new deal. I don't know. But if that's the case, 
if that's the case, then I could definitely see them trading him off for something else because I doubt that they want to tie all that money into him, even if he is questioned with a better tailback, you know? No, no, I agree. I agree. That's why I said, yeah, I think they trade him because I don't think I don't think you can, as the season goes on, his value depreciates even more. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to have to make a decision early, probably – in a preseason, like the training camp part of preseason to really kind of see what you want to do with him. Like, because I don't know if you're going to win many games, man. Like, <laughs> just I just don't. I don't know how you're going to win many games playing like that. Like, if you're going to play mm-hmm. like uh, Baltimore and run with the quarterback, cool, but – Lamar is a very underrated passer to the point where you can make some plays in the pass game. I don't know if you make those plays in the pass game with Willis like you would with Lamar. So playing that style doesn't seem. I'm just not so long with. I, I I'm not either, but I just think that's like you the only way up. you're gonna win some games this year. Like if you mm-hmm. go that way, so that that's my whole thing. I think they yeah. trade him uh, before it gets too late in the season, so they can do their thing. Like I said, this is uh, episode eleven of the Football Frame of Mind podcast. Um, like I said, we enjoy all of the attention we've been getting on this program, man. We we just want to keep giving you great content, man. But anything you gotta say before we get out of here, bro? Yeah, we want to thank everybody who's been taking the time to watch all our videos, taking the time to subscribe, all those things. We're greatly appreciative. Uh, without you guys, we wouldn't be in the place we are right now. And we just pray and ask that you guys will just continue to just be faithful and check things out. Like we always say, like, comment, subscribe. And when you subscribe, make sure you hit that little bell notification so you don't miss a video. Got an entire playlist full of college football content that you guys should really check out. And once you're done with the college football stuff, you should continue to watch our NFL content. Uh, we're done with the AFC South. Next episode is going to be the AFC West, then East, then North. We've got plenty of stuff to talk about, so you guys should definitely stick around and check it out. I couldn't say it better myself, man. All right. Uh, like I said, I'm Cam. That's Brandon. We up out of here. Peace.